Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm one of the co-hosts of this uh, usually weekly radio program. We've had a couple weeks interruption. Uh, I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Cops Bureau Commander and uh, Radio Engineer Extraordinaire. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. We're also joined in studio this morning by the the final field training unit of this rotation, Officer John Virgilio and Probationary Officer Robert Horn. Welcome, gentlemen. Good morning. We're going to get to them after the top of the hour. But let's start with a check of the weather. Then we'll talk about a couple news articles, and then we'll get to the show. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Wind advisory in effect from 11 a.m. this morning to 2 a.m. EDT Saturday. Today, mostly cloudy with a 50% chance of showers. Breezy, cooler with highs in the lower 50s. Temperature falling into the upper 40s this afternoon. West wind 20 to 25 miles per hour. Gusts up to 40 miles per hour this afternoon. Tonight, rain or snow showers likely. Snow accumulation up to 1 inch. Breezy, cooler with lows in the lower 30s. West wind 15 to 25 miles per hour, becoming 15 to 20 miles per hour after midnight. Gusts up to 45 miles per hour, decreasing to 35 miles per hour after midnight. Chance of precipitation 70%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. You know what? I know we need the rain. We're in drought conditions, but these last couple of days have just been depressing. I'm I'm thankful for the rain, but I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah, that time of year. Yeah, Lieutenant, I'm out of practice. You let me get away with it again. I did not date stamp this episode. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2021. April showers most assuredly are bringing May flowers as we end this week. Yep, and uh, we talked about this briefly at the, before the show. Four more days to sign up for the civil service test for Pittsfield. Anybody that signs up at this point is in the kind of the, the extended period, so it's going to cost you another $50, but there's still time. There is still time to if, sign up. If you're interested, um, we encourage, encourage anybody who has ever thought that they might want to do uh, or get into our line of work, take the test. And if you know anybody or you have a family member, a friend, um, somebody that has talked about it, encourage them to, to do so, please. Even if it's something you never thought you'd consider, you know, maybe if your, your background or your experience in, in the past has not necessarily aligned you with law enforcement, you know, it, I, I'm taking the phrase that our colleagues and friends who are social activists use, be a part of the change you want. Right? If you've got issues with it, okay, come join us. Help us, help us move forward. All right, so couple news items actually I, uh, I didn't flag everything uh, while I was reading the paper this morning and the couple news items I want to talk about aren't actually in today's news cycle um, they're from earlier in the week I think the most important one the most that I'm the most the one that I'm the most hopeful for is we are moving into the final phase of the COVID restrictions uh, the outdoor mask requirement if you can maintain social distancing is lifted as of today We've got some benchmarks in the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, reopening and lifting of restrictions uh, during May. And then we're anticipating being back to what it's not, I'm not going to say, you know, pre-pandemic normal, but our new abnormal by August 1st. It looks like, uh, you know, we're, we're actually going to be able to do some of the stuff that we historically were able to do in the summer. So that's kind of cool. Very cool. The the other story from earlier in the week is is I actually I guess um, the story about me. I had to travel to the state house on Monday to get sworn in by the governor as the one of the law enforcement representatives to the new Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission. Uh, it was a lovely ceremony. It's there's been there's some 
great photos from the State House News Service and other news outlets. It was nice to finally see uh, some of our colleagues from the Commonwealth in person. And it was it was wonderful to meet my fellow commissioners in person. Um, we hadn't we hadn't met or even exchanged introductions yet, so that was cool. Um, got an email yesterday. We're in the process of scheduling our first meetings. Uh, looks like an organizational and training meeting uh, early next month, and the first public meeting later next month. As soon as we confirm those, I will put those out um, via my official and the department's social media. And then the last item that I wanted to just touch on briefly before we get to our guests is uh, it's an opinion piece from this morning's Berkshire Eagle, but I would encourage everybody to go check it out um, because this is one of two significant pieces of pending legislation uh, involving motor vehicle and, and traffic safety. One is being proposed by the legislature. That's not the one that's targeted in um in, in this opinion piece, that's, a, that's the one involving increased access to driver's licenses. We'll talk about that on another show. This one is about the governor's roadway safety bill, which um, was filed this week. And there's a lot of moving parts in it. I'm not going to get into the details of all of them. But this is, uh, I, find it, I find the timing of this bill interesting, given all the conversation that's been going on in the national climate. And that isn't to say that I'm opposed to the bill, because I think everything in this bill is important. But at a time that there's a national conversation about what police officers should be stopping cars for and, and the perception that increased motor vehicle traffic stops leads to increased misunderstanding, they reintroduced the primary enforcement of the seatbelt violation. So currently in the Commonwealth, you know, police officer has to have a primary moving violation to stop the car and if we discover you don't have your seatbelt on after we stop the car then we can tack on the seatbelt violation um we're 59 or 49 out of 50 in the nation for seatbelt use and our motor vehicle fatality rate is horrific so increased seatbelt use is important and i think you know as a as an experienced law enforcement officer primary enforcement of the seatbelt law should be a thing um but the irony of expecting us to stop more cars for an additional violation when people are demanding that we stop fewer cars is problematic. It's interesting. Um, I, I think that primary seatbelt enforcement should, should be a thing. Uh, but the other part that is in here is red light cameras. And I saw that the red light camera, there's, there's more than just these two, but these are the two that I'm the most familiar with. I saw the red light camera thing introduced again. I was like, you, you have to be kidding me. So the opinion piece recognizes that there was some debate and discussion over red light cameras in the state house last year, but that we need to do some history on this because I testified at the state house on red light cameras 10 years ago. This has been a topic of contention in the Commonwealth for over a decade. Uh, and 10 years ago when I testified, it was the closest we ever came to actually getting them approved. Uh, and it, it didn't fly. Um, you know, the red light camera thing is, is controversial, uh, you know, all over the country. But if you want to increase traffic safety and decrease in-person traffic stops, technology is something we have to explore. So... Um, that one, that piece is interesting. There's some other stuff in there about increased fines for particular um, suspension violations. And Mass Chiefs are advocating it's, it'd be part of the amendment process for increased fines and criminal penalties for failure to stop and um, operating to endanger and a couple other things. Because the reality is that you know most civil infractions, traffic violation, traffic stops, they they go fine. But if people decide to run from us, it's not just themselves are putting in jeopardy they're putting the public in general at jeopardy that is a significant threat to the public and it needs to be addressed so check out the opinion piece if you're interested you can find the the uh, proposed legislation online and uh, we'll be tracking it closely because that definitely is going to have an impact on our operations it's funny i mentioned the um the cameras i was in dispatch recently and somebody had called up you know, I, I overheard the dispatcher explaining that Oh, those aren't cameras. Somebody, something happened, whether it was a minor, uh, minor motor vehicle crash or whatnot, and clearly whoever had called up was looking for the footage to 
you know, plead their case that they weren't at fault. And they they thought, well, can you just get the footage from the camera on top of the, the light? So we have to clarify something there, right? And I'll have to, you have to tell me who that dispatcher was. So if they're talking about on top of a signal light, a traffic signal light, those are cameras. They're, they're cameras. They're not our cameras, right? So th- this is this is weird. I'm sorry to. This is going to bore you guys, right? I'm sorry. So <laughs> you've been around long enough to understand that you know some some traffic signal lights are on timers. The the oldest system in the city they're on timers and those systems are horrible because those timers break and that's why we're always on the air saying the lights are on flash can you get somebody out here with a key and we're trying to reset the timers it's stuck (laughs) right the the second technology is either those pucks or those induction loops so during traffic season if you're driving through and you get annoyed because they've got eight traffic cones blocking off the turning box in an intersection and they've got that asphalt salt asphalt saw out there and they're cutting like two inches down into the asphalt and you're like what the heck are they doing now you can't patch just that section they're not that's not what they're doing they're laying in magnetic they're laying an electric cable to put in a magnetic induction loop to sense the car and trigger trigger the red light right um they either use those induction loops or they use these things that look like hockey pucks but that's damaging to the roadway you got to keep if you got to break in the cable you got to dig that thing up again so several years ago they decided they would switch to cameras so you can use the camera to trigger the traffic light but you can't record it and you can't share the camera t- by law. You can't share the camera take with law enforcement. So DOT and local traffic, they can use the cameras to signal the lights, but they can't. They can't give us access to those cameras. So, so it, it's actual footage. No, it, it's just looking for the car. So you can't record it, and you can't let us view it. You can't let us look at the camera like re- in real time. So in a sense, it's just a sensor. It's just a sensor. Yeah, but they use a camera for the sensor. Gotcha. So. You know, like you, our CCTV puts that little tracking thing up when the person moves in front of the building. Right. That's what it's looking for. It's looking for the motion in the camera pane. But people, you know, we had one local defense attorney who went on a rampage when they started doing that. They're like, the police department is installing cameras at all the intersections. I, was like, I, I don't have any money for those cameras. I don't know where those cameras came from. <laughs> so anyhow, traffic history. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, sir. What's going on? You guys are going to have to talk a little bit closer to those mics. What's your day like on a rainy Friday? Besides the lieutenant interrupting you and telling you to get out here. It's, yeah. our, it's our Monday. So. It's your Monday. All right. So we have a field training unit, field training car. Uh, officer John De- Virgilio is the field training officer, and his uh, probationary officer is Officer Robert Horn. We're going to mainly focus our attention on officer horn this morning uh but i may i may start to ask some questions of officer virgilio because it's spring and that must mean another track season is upon you right very soon we'll get to that we'll get to that after we talk to bobby for a bit so um generally we we start with kind of a little bit of personal history tell our listeners and viewers you know who you are where you're from where you grew up where you went to school all that stuff uh, so, obviously, Officer Horn, Bob Horn. Um, I grew up local, Pittsfield, my whole life. Um, went to St. Joe High School and then uh, left this area and went to high school out in Westfield. And then college, came back here. Um, Where'd you go to college? I went to Curry College out okay. near Boston. And then I did a year at Hudson Valley over in Troy, New York. Um, played hockey over there. And then now I'm back. And then uh, started my career with the sheriff's department and uh then i came over to here and worked for the dispatch unit here and left there and started i was lucky enough to go to the reserve academy down at stick and started my policing career with the town of peru a little little hill town um and then worked for mcla's police department for a couple of years and now i'm here all right so you said you played hockey at curry I'd assume that if you played hockey at the college level, you played hockey in high school? Yes. Okay. Do you still play? I do. I play men's league. Well, with the pandemic, we haven't been able to skate in over a year. Okay. So this is, what, the third member of this class that we've talked to who was a hockey player? Yeah, and the other two, they weren't sure about 
adult leagues. Yeah, they didn't here. know about the adult leagues. Yeah, yeah. So you got to plug your classmates into the adult leagues. I will do that. And then once you do that, you have to let us know because when they lift the restrictions on the pandemic, this I think this may be the first time we've had this many hockey players at one time in the department. Yeah. So now we got to send you down to Springfield for the uh, guns and hoses get you hooked up with that when they do the thing down with the Firebirds. Sounds good. Julian Bernal was one, you know. He Julian played. and uh, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. And all. yeah. I actually coached Brian, so I'm kind of dating myself. Um, <laughs> I was the oldest, obviously, in my uh, my academy, and uh, I coached Brian at St. Joe, and then uh, went to the academy with him. Hey, there's, there's a couple people affiliated with our department that I coached in wrestling, so don't feel bad about <laughs> it. <laughs> all right, so... Um, We've, t- spoke, we've spoken to your classmates about this a little bit, and you're you're our second pandemic impacted class. But but you're really the true pandemic class. Like the entire course of your instruction at the academy was during the pandemic. So talk about that a little bit. Um, I think wearing the face mask actually kind of helped um, when we were getting screamed at or yelled at by <laughs> drill instructors. Because um, a lot of stuff they do say is pretty funny, um, so when you crack a smile, they couldn't really see. Um, but ultimately, that's the kindest, nicest part about wearing the mask. Because I can tell you, having been through an academy before some of the restrictions were lifted or put in place, and having been a staff instructor, it, like if you watch military movies and you see a DI up in somebody's face and they say there's like you know spittle flying in the recruit's face, that's a very real thing. So yes. the masks prevent that. Definitely. All right. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, um, I think, I mean, we were pretty much there the whole time. Um, we had, I think, four days off um, where we had to go remote. But for the most part, we were there, um, which was good. You know, I know the last class was gone for a little while. Um, and our class was so small that, you know, that was the because of the pandemic. Usually, I think there's 40-plus yeah. recruits. I think we ended up graduating 17. Yeah. So we talked to some of your classmates. Obviously a tight class, uh, 17 and a, a half dozen of you from us, right? So that's that's a significant portion. So I would imagine that you're going to be a more closely knit group than we historically see. Um, what was your favorite part of the academy? Graduation. <laughs> <laughs> prior, <Good> answer. <laughs> prior to graduation, what was your favorite part of the um, academy? Oh, favorite part. Um, like like you said, just the, with the small class, you know, we got really close. Um, and then towards the end, they kind of let up. I wouldn't say let up, but they let us have coffee, and we could sit in the back and kind of joke around a little bit, and it was a little less you know lax like when we first started you weren't even allowed to talk during lunch yeah um, and then it kind of you know so i think Loosens just up a the bit. camaraderie was was nice what was your least favorite part of the academy uh dt dt with a <laughs> with a mask on normally dt is yeah. not too bad but yeah. when you're running a 100 yard sprint with a face mask That's on good. it's not very fun so you Part of defensive tactics is uh, being certified in in OC spray, and historically, being certified in OC spray includes either a direct exposure, that means an instructor sprays you in the face with OC, or at least an indirect exposure, which means you got to like march you through a tent that's been inundated with OC. And due to the COVID restrictions, a lot of the OC training was very restricted. So you guys didn't get sprayed, right? No, not as a class. Yeah. So. Um, bad news we got notification from the mptc last week that oc restrictions due to the pandemic have been lifted and as a result officer gainer will be scheduling you for an in-house spray day sometime in the near future something for you to look forward to yeah and i've actually already been sprayed twice so the third time will be just as much fun i'm sure you get no sympathy from me. I'm a DT instructor. <laughs> I, I can't count the number of times I've been sprayed. I'm kind of glad to see some of the guys that I went to the academy with that have not been sprayed to get sprayed. So you gotta know. You gotta know. Um, you know that's so. I I talked to. This is this is a big debate when you're in the instructor pipeline, right? OC. If you're if you're a DT instructor, you are going to be direct sprayed with OC. That's not negotiable. And the taser program, you know, if you're going to be a, D, a taser instructor, more likely than not, you're going to get tased. We kind of encourage anybody who's going to carry it that you should, but you definitely need to see somebody do it in real time. And the comparison we always get from elected candidates is, you let me carry a firearm, but you don't shoot me. Like, you know what? It, it, 
it's apples and oranges. It's not even apples and oranges. It's apples and zebras, right? It, gunshot wounds, serious. You know, can you can you push through with a good mental attitude and stay in the game? Yes, you definitely can, and we we work on that, and we carry stuff for self aid. OC exposure and taser exposure. You have to stay engaged, right? There, there's, it's not if or. It's not maybe I can stay plugged in. You have to stay plugged in, and you have to know that you can stay plugged in. Um, and you know, first time I got sprayed, you know, my my gut instinct was not to complete the exercise in the drill. My gut instinct was to fall to the ground and curl up into a ball. Right? You can't let that happen. So you know, I, that I hate that argument. Um, you know, at least secondary exposure is important because. You know, John, you'll, you know, you're not going to be on the street very long before you're going to suffer a secondary exposure, right? Somebody's going to use that stuff on the scene and you're going to get exposed to it. You can't just go back to your car and stop. So, all right. Um, so when did you graduate from the academy? How long has it been now? We graduated February 5th. Right. And you are, what are you guys in, phase three? Yes, phase three. Phase three. And what week of phase three is this? This is Our the last. Week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this is the fourth. So fourth. Shadow Phase starts next week? This weekend? Uh, no. Next, next weekend. Next weekend. Okay. Yep. The end is in sight. I see the light. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to jinx anybody, but you know we've said we've said it with every guest we've had on for through this cycle. Um, this this cycle has been refreshing, right? It's it's almost unheard of lately that we go through an entire 12 weeks primary three phases without the field training staff needing to request a meeting with me uh, to give me an update on at least somebody who's in the pipeline concerning an extension. And that hasn't happened. <laughs> uh, this, this group is, uh, by all accounts, doing well. So we're pretty happy about that because, uh, you know, no, no dings on the previous cycles, but like we were just saying before we came on the air that we were looking at the staffing numbers. You know, honestly, we need we need you guys in patrol ASAP. Um, I just you know we've got too many resignations and retirements coming up to to extend anybody right now. So that's good news. All right, um, how's field training going for you? It's pretty good. It's been uh, you know I, I, my primary is Officer Garropy, um, who is a workhorse. So threw you right to the wolves, figured stuff out. Uh, then I went to squad B and I had Officer Reagan, another one, um, and now I'm with John. And, you know, all three guys are on anti-crime, um, so they're all busy, which is good. You know, learn, learn, you know. Awesome. What are you looking forward to the most about completing field training? Um, I think it'll be nice, just not that you're under a microscope, but, you, I mean, realistically you are. Um, It'll be nice to just be able to kind of go out and be in a cruiser by yourself and, you know, not worry about if you're bothering your FTO, you know, with the questions you ask and stuff like that. It'll be nice. To We've talked about that a little bit on the program in the last several weeks. And again, for our listeners and viewers at home, I don't if you've never been in this situation, I don't think you can appreciate it. Uh, being a probationer is has got to be the most frustrating place you can find yourself in patrol operations because everything you say and do is, is scrutinized and critiqued positive or negative uh, and documented right it's just it's a it's being under a microscope it's a lot of pressure the second most like difficult position you can find yourself in is being a field training officer um, because in a department like Pittsfield where generally we run solo patrol unless we're under some type of uh, emergency protocol or you're running a special detail having somebody in your car for your entire shift day after day after day is a stressor right it's a, a police officer's cruiser especially if you don't run two officer units is your office and it's your sanctuary and it's your safe space and you know you can put on the music you enjoy or listen to a podcast and you know it, it's just a place that you can go you, you go to your paperwork you decompress you make your phone calls when there's somebody in it with you all the time it, it's just not comfortable uh, and so the, the field training program in and of itself starts with this this heightened level of stress and then the training just it gets added on to that. All right. So aspirationally, where do you see yourself uh, going in the Pittsfield Police Department? Where do you where do you hope to eventually end up? Um, I think right now my I mean obviously the goal is to learn patrol. Um, having done this job for a little while prior to here and then coming here, it's been 
a total different world. This department and the city of Pittsfield is a lot different than, you know, working for a college or working in a small town. Um, so I think just learn patrol and then, you know, obviously like the anti-crime units seem pretty interesting. Um, the drug unit stuff, there's, you know, those guys are busy. Um, I think somewhere along those lines, maybe, you know, someday in the DB, um, supervisor, we'll see. You know, but I think for right now, just kind of—I don't want to say master patrol, but learn <laughs> patrol. That, that's a pretty good—that's a pretty good plan and path. Um, so, just it, real quick in the few minutes we have left before I start to to question John here, um, you you worked in a small town and then on a campus. Just briefly, you know, for our listeners and viewers, what are what are some of the critical differences between small town policing or campus policing and city policing? Um, small town policing, not to take anything away from them, but the boredom will get you. <laughs> um, you're, you're really waiting for that car to go speeding by you so you can, you know, at least have an interaction with somebody. Um, but you're also by yourself all the time. All the time. You know, down here, if you need help, there, you know, you're going to have somebody there pretty quickly. Um, the college is just knowing, trying to know your job. Yes, you're a police officer, but, you know, discretion is huge in our job. Um, and I think on the college campus, there's even more, you know, you don't want to really, you know, jam somebody up too bad. You know, they're doing the right thing. They're in college, they're kids. So you just, you know, you're, know who you're policing. I've, I've been approached a couple times during the course of my career about taking a job in a campus environment. And I absolutely do not want to do it. <laughs> I do not want to do it. And it's not to, it's not anything against campus police officers, campus safety and security, but it's, it's particularly as a campus police officer, it's almost as if you're working for two separate entities, right? You're working for the police department and the police chief who have expectations around policing and public safety, but you're also working for the college president who has expectations around image and reputation and campus integrity. And the balance of those two things is just, in, in my opinion, untenable, right? It, you, it, you know, you, you can't you can't take you can't take the shilling from two kings you just can't um i picture it being similar to being an sro not the same but it, similarities except that it, it, yes very similar except that at the end of the day as an sro you don't work right. for the superintendent right, <laughs> right? no but I'm, I'm, what yeah. i'm saying you know it's your in terms yeah. of your 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 work your, yeah. your day-to-day work it's you know the discretion that you yes. described, but, you know, you know. It, it, in a campus environment, your boss, the chief of police or the director of safety and security works for the college president. Right. So the, the chain of command, the delineation is very convoluted. All right. So we got two minutes left before we take station break. We're going to switch gears and focus our attention on field training officer Virgilio. Not in your role as a field training officer, because we've talked about that a lot. But you have a fascinating like side gig. You're, you're a championship race car driver. Yeah, that's. I think that's prepping it up a little, a little <laughs> bit more than it's made out to be. But yeah, we. Uh, my father and I own and field a car that we run on dirt at the oval track over at Lebanon Valley Speedway. Um, we've been doing, you know, that style of racing on dirt, dirt ovals for, geez, I think since I was nine years old, and I'm 29 now, so I think this will be about our 20th year together. Um, and it's just just a hobby of ours and it, it's something that we enjoy doing together and um you know we enjoy working on them and going over and and doing well and we both you know kind of share that same that same passion for um not just going over there and having fun but going over there and and doing well and um you know putting a good name out for the people that help us out our sponsors and marketing partners and and uh and everybody else our family friends we got a lot of golfers we got a lot of softball players we got a lot of boaters, but I think in my entire time with the Pittsfield Police Department, you're the only person we, or the second person we've had that had any affiliation with race cars. And the previous one was like a hobbyist Porsche guy down at Lime Rock, not competitive. It, that's that's just fascinating. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have a big physical structure for any of the ball sports. I tried them. I wasn't very good at them. Uh, don't have the money to be owning Porsches and stuff like that. But uh, we have a lot of people that help us out that, that makes our, our racing possible, and we have a lot of fun doing it. So, Because uh, we, we were actually talking about this last year, and the opportunity kind of just got blown up by COVID. 
Did you have an easier time or a harder time in the academy on the EVOC course? Um, well, it, it, it's a completely different format. Um, there was definitely some aspects of it that I found easier. Um, there was other aspects that I found harder. You know, uh, you know, in, in our style of racing, um, you're light on the brake pedal and, and heavy on the gas pedal if you're doing it right. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, hard braking and turning um, in EVOC that is challenging. Um, you know, I had a good time with it. I, I think it's fun. Um, you know, most of what I would say that I, you know, do well at is, is just car control. You know, when the car starts to get a little bit out of control, I, I kind of know, you know, where your feet have to be and where you got to get the car pointed and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I, I, I'd say it was about 50-50. Some of the stuff I, I found a little bit easier and then other stuff, you know, people were doing much better than I was at it. Um, you know, oddly enough, I did very well at the backup course, which I, I still don't really understand why. But uh, no translation to racing no, there. No, none at all. But that just that came came quite easy. But uh, no, it was it, it was fun. It was fun to learn new things, and it was you know I won't call it show off, but it, you know it was fun to have things come easy as well. Nice. All right, gentlemen, anything you want to add before we wrap up and take a station break? Just in case my wife is listening, um, we did just have a child. Congratulations. <laughs> I forgot about I apologize. That should have been in my Yeah, that uh, should have been in your me. intro. But yes. Normally I ask about the family. <laughs> I, I I apologize for not prompting you. Yes, congratulations on your new addition. Everybody's Thanks. happy and healthy. Happy and healthy. She's that's, sleeping pretty good. So. That's awesome. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you for coming in and joining us this morning. We'll let you get back out on the road and get to the patrol. Lieutenant, we're going to get another check of the weather and station identification, then we'll figure out what we're going to talk about for the next 29 minutes. TBR radar weather for the Pittsburgh area. Today, mostly cloudy with a 50% chance of showers. Breezy, cooler with highs in the lower 50s. Temperature falling into the upper 40s this afternoon. West wind 20 to 25 miles per hour. Gusts up to 40 miles per hour this afternoon. Tonight, rain or snow showers likely. Snow accumulation up to 1 inch. Breezy, cooler with lows in the lower 30s. West wind 15 to 25 miles per hour, becoming 15 to 20 miles per hour after midnight. Gusts up to 45 miles per hour, decreasing to 35 miles per hour after midnight. Chance of precipitation 70%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Chief Michael Wynn of the Pittsfield Police Department. And Lieutenant Gary Traversa. The Pittsfield Police Department is encouraging anyone interested in becoming a Pittsfield Police Officer to register for the 2021 Municipal Police Officer Exam. As a civil service department, this is the first step required to join our team. We are seeking motivated, eligible individuals who desire a rewarding and adventure-filled career serving the residents of Pittsfield. Detailed application information is available on the web at Mass dot gov backslash civil service the application deadline is april 20th with a late registration window open until may 4th exam fees range from 100 to 200 dollars candidates who pass the exam are placed on the eligible list and ranked by score the pittsfield police department will use that list to fill vacant positions in 2021 and 2022 so take the first step in joining the pittsfield police department by going to mass.gov backslash civil service Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Welcome back. 
Thank you for joining us again this morning, this rainy Friday morning, for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. Simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. If you missed the first half of the show, we were speaking to our the, uh, the final installment of the current field training rotation and the last officer in the training pipeline from the most recently group most recent group of academy graduates officer robert horn and his field training officer officer john virgilio uh, they have left the building and are back out on patrol and now it's just me and the lieutenant in studio hello lieutenant hey chief you've been quiet over there today um uh you know we had a two two week kind of break here i'm reacclimating myself i pressed one button before i pressed another before you press so that's the talk over on the on uh, the weather on the weather <laughs> That's all right. If you don't know what the weather is, look outside. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Um, so we had a couple things that we kind of briefly emailed back and forth about to, about we're talking on the show. But, you know, with four days left, I think we really need to spend a little bit of time talking about the final push for the registration for the civil service exam, the importance of the civil service exam uh, and what's going on recruitment wise for us. So you've been very, very busy trying to drum up awareness and interest in the upcoming civil service exam so why don't you talk a little bit about your efforts and then i'll talk a little bit about the process sure um you know i, I gotta give kudos to officer garropy um it, although i knew the test was coming up and this is the year for it i think with everything going on uh with covid and, and some of the extra duties along with that i i uh i wasn't right on top of it so um, Officer Garropy kind of came to me one day or sent me a message and was like, what's, what's going on with recruiting? I'm like, you know what? You're right. Got to get on top of that. Um, so we had some emails back and forth and some discussion. Um, we had established a group of officers a few years ago that were willing to help out with recruitment. So reached out to that group to see who was doing the, willing to um you know chip in over the next ended up being a couple of months to to push out um you know the message so um some of the ideas that we had that ended up most for the most part coming to fruition um billboards if um you know you drove around the city you may have noticed a couple uh, I don't know, four billboards that went up um north street tyler um Elm Street and Wakona, um, you know, just announcing the test. Um, we did uh, some Facebook stuff. Uh, the civil service office in um, in Boston helped us out a little bit. We uh, actually our personnel director Mike Taylor sent out some photos that we had submitted, and um, they made a little. You know, slideshow video for us. You can find it on our our Facebook page. Um, I missed that. I must have been traveling. Yeah, yeah. If it, it's it's right on the Facebook page. It was uh, yeah, it was neat. It was short spot, thirty nice. seconds, and you know they did it for whatever department. The way right. I understand, whatever department Asked. submitted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and then we were approached by um, Staff Sergeant Hunt, and we teamed up with them um it was actually it was really their career fair but you know as we talked on the show previously um he was very accommodating to us based on the timing of the test and yeah. and and doing that recruitment event um prior to the test so um you know uh, attendance wise it was lighter than we would have liked but it was a good you know good run um for I, what maybe we can do in the future. I would say that all things considered between the kind of, I'm not going to say late. I mean, it, we had time to, to prepare for it and get it out, but we didn't have a ton of time. So I'd say between the short run-up and COVID, I, I wouldn't say that attendance was, was light. You know, it, if you take the individuals who kind of just kind of popped in, looked around, popped out over the course of the entire time, as opposed to the individuals who kind of stuck it out, uh, I think, you know, we we all did pretty well there 
and I actually saw Staff Sergeant Hunt yesterday uh, in connection with something else. And, you know, he's looking forward to doing something similar again. He really took in the um, feedback he got on some of the evaluations, and he's already working on making some improvements. So, you know, that's that's a cool partnership, and we're fortunate to have it. Shout out to the uh, Massachusetts Army National Guard, Nations First. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we spent a lot of time over the last couple of years on the show talking about civil service, but I, I just... You know, I don't, if you've never been involved in civil service, um, I'm not sure that people understand the, the implications and the ramifications. And so I want to spend just a little bit of time on this. And look, I, I have benefited greatly personally from the civil service system. Um, but I, I think I've been pretty open and vocal in the past. I'm not a fan. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that in today's day and age, civil service is serving the purpose it was originally intended for uh, i don't think it's i don't think the the system is is adequate uh, to meet the needs of the departments in the commonwealth that are still relying on it um and i don't think that it allows local communities enough flexibility to to pursue um their local interests and in, in response to their communities so you know you Discussions about the future of civil service. We can put that off for another day, but today we are civil service And so I just I want to have I want to share a couple things um, From the last couple of days related to civil service before we, we talk about what the system is as it is now for recruitment So I had two conversations yesterday one relative to some stuff going on internally in the department uh, Hopefully I have some news about next week and in that conversation um, you know Civil, civil service really came to bear. And the reason civil service really came to bear is I, as a police chief, have to make some decisions. And um, in making those decisions, I have to take into consideration all of, all of the needs of the department. But I also have to take into consideration the, the needs uh, and the direction and the wants of the administration. Um, and while I want to be responsive to all of that, sometimes it's impossible. And, um, you know, because we are civil service, when when push comes to shove and it comes right down to the line, um, I have I have to make the decision that's best in line with the civil service requirements, even if that's going to make me unpopular with everybody. Um, And, you know, that's fine. I'm not in this job to be popular, but civil service is very, very limiting. Um, And I was so. After that discussion, I was in a speaking uh, or a listening session with the Mass Department of Public Health, uh, and they invited the Mass Department of Mental Health. And we were talking about the um, prospect of increasing co-responder programs throughout the Commonwealth. Now, again, we have a great co-responder program here in the city of Pittsfield. We're working hard to figure out how to expand it. But... uh, DPH, Department of Public Health, has been tasked by the legislature with expanding access to those types of programs. And um, DMH, who currently is our partner in that, is is kind of looking to, to make sure that the work that's already been done isn't uh, left behind. And although it was purely a conversation about co-responder programs in the chat, the number of side conversations that were going on from first responders and first responder community partners about the limitations and the inability to recruit and attract a diverse workforce because of civil service pretty much dominated the side conversation. Like across the Commonwealth, people are like, we need first responder agencies, police and fire agencies that are more reflective of the communities they serve. We can't do it. One department, which is a fairly sizable department, came out of civil service, I think they said last year. And it was only by coming out of civil service. And I don't, I don't know how long this department's been in existence, but I would assume like, you know, most Massachusetts departments were going back to, you know, the early 1800s, probably. Um, they came out of civil service. And as soon as they came out of civil service, they were able to hire their first African-American and Latinx officers. It was only by coming out of civil service they could get there, right? Um, you know, and we're not in nearly as bad a situation as that department. Um, but, you know, it, it is incredibly rigid. It is 
inflexible and um you know so but it's the system we have so what that means is that we want to continue to improve as a police department we want to continue to add personnel uh we've got a recently graduated group that just walked out of the room completing field training we've got an open requisition for another group that we're hoping to send into the academy in the fall um I'm scheduled with Sergeant Mazio to interview those candidates next week. But the frustrating part is that we opened a requisition for six because we knew going into the summer that that was, that was the hit we were going to take. We were talking before we came on the air about some upcoming retirements. And we're low on the list because we're waiting for the new test to come out. And on a requisition for six, um, recruitment and backgrounds are only advancing three names right so we're looking for six we're starting with three <laughs> and you know historically one of them won't make it through the the training pipeline so you know it's just you're always working at a disadvantage right for for six vacancies that we called for we, we would have been looking based on the civil service formula at 13 scores right 13 um a, a rank list of 13 and historically for the last couple of years if we were going to be given a rank list of 13 that probably would have resulted in 70 or 80 names and this time i think they started with 15 names um and you know they're going to advance three for consideration that's really hard to overcome it's isn't it such a contrast to yeah when we started oh my god yes i mean we, we we were on lists that were hundreds of names long, and we were, some of us multiple times. Yeah, right. You know, just fighting to 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 get on the job, yeah. and it, the tune has changed. It, and so, it, but here's the thing, right? It's it, sometimes it has to do with the age of the list, right? And I'm I'm not going to draw a clear correlation between doing well on a written exam and scoring high on the exam. But the reality is, the lower we get on the list, the lower per percentage of el eligible names that get advanced, right? So when we're at the top of the list and we call for six and they send us a scoring band for 13, we're probably looking at 70 or 80 names. 50 of those 70 or 80 people probably sign the list. They probably advanced 25 names, right and then we, we schedule the interviews and from there we get down to 14 or 15 and then we'll get to those final six the deeper you get into the list the fewer people sign the fewer people who sign get through the background check and the fewer who get advanced but i've never called for a requisition and had fewer than at least the requisition advanced right even even the most recent requisition for six ultimately i think we interviewed nine or ten and we and we picked six right um, so it's frustrating. There's a lot of challenges with civil service. And, and again, you know, like you, I've obviously benefited from it. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, there's a, one of the biggest obstacles is that, you know, not only what you just described, but the timing. Yeah. You know, we're restricted to, okay, a test every two, two years. years off of that test. We're taking, you know, who we can. We have to work around the academy uh, and what their schedule is. Once you get lower in the list, I mean, it's been years since these people have taken the test. They, a lot of them, find other jobs. They've moved on. You know, yeah. they they've moved out of the area. So it's so so with that brief history and frustration with civil service in general, that gets us to the importance of of what we've been talking about for the last several weeks to a month. There is a test coming up. The only way currently that we can that we can recruit you the only way that we can hire you is if you are on our certified list when human resources division certifies that list based on this test we're mindful of the, the, the national conversation and the local conversation and we really really want to work to diversify our workforce we want more qualified candidates that are more representative of more parts of the population on the job uh, we do pretty well we know with the with the constraints that are placed on us we do pretty well um but we can do better but the only control we locally have over that population is encouraging people to take the exam if you don't take the exam we we can't we can't talk to you under the current system so you know it hasn't happened recently 
but it's heartbreaking that we'll have somebody contact my office or contact me and say, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm from such and such a community. Uh, I've seen some of the stuff that you're doing. You know, they'll often say Officer Derby. I'm really interested in coming out there. What do I have to do to apply to be a Pittsfield police officer? And the only question we ask is, are you on the civil service list? Well, no. So take the civil service test, right? We can't talk to you if you're not on the civil service list. There's no, there's no back door allowed to that. And so there are incredibly qualified people who are already in law enforcement that we can't employ. And there are incredibly interested people that, you know, they, they contact us and like, well, this is what I want to do, but you didn't take the test. So we'll talk to you in two years. Um, so, you know, hammer in this point, hammer in this point. If you're interested in any way in working with us, take the test. Um, because that's the mechanism that we can use to, to start the process. Uh, I, was, I was thrilled when I popped up to the Guard Armory during the uh, Employment Expo to see you and your team, Lieutenant, um, signing people up, right? You had the, had the tablets out there, you're signing people up. And uh, a young woman uh, known to us, uh, you know, bright young woman, uh, used to work at one of the downtown establishments that many of us frequently patronize leveraged some conversation with coffee purchases into an internship spent a little bit of time with us and she was right there signing up to take the take the test um and she is uh you know one it's a woman uh, she also happens to represent a racial minority and you know i'm keeping my fingers crossed that we we can hire her right that would be such a win for us so yeah um one uh uh avenue that we went down this year that was new to us i just wanted to mention before we got on to another topic was we did some virtual um recruiting uh through mass hire and i just want to give a shout out to melanie herzig out at, at mass hire she helped us out we had two events um it was basically a a recruitment booth virtually and uh sergeant mazio officer garapy and i uh, staffed those events and we had quite a few visitors more than we actually did at the uh, the in-person fair so um, that was another event that was um, you know an effort put forward by the recruitment team and um, you know thinking outside of the box in strange times tell me a little bit more about that how did how did that what did that look like so we set up our virtual booth, you know, days prior, um, added in um, some links uh, to our our um, website so that they could look on our the hiring tabs on our website to see, you know, how the, what the hiring process is, um, and you know, we basically it's you know you're setting up your visual booths so uh, so that when people come in. You know, they, they have some things to look at other than just waiting for you to do, you know, instant messages back and forth. And um, the first one, it was uh, just Sergeant Mazio and I, and he had set up some um, pre-typed kind of introductions. So when somebody came into the room, he would send them a message like, you know, welcome to our booth. If you have any specific questions, and, and we were not only recruiting for the police officer positions, um, dispatcher position, which, by the way, this is the last day to apply for uh, dispatch. We have an open position that's been open for 30 days, and I think it closes at 4 o'clock today. Um, so go on the city website to apply for that position if you're interested in being a dispatcher or you know somebody. Uh, Just let me touch on that real quick, because if if you're not sure and you don't want to take the time and the money to take the test because you're not sure if you want to be a Pittsburgh police officer but you have any curiosity at all we just had officer horn leave right officer horn started with us as a dispatcher and parlayed that it eventually into a law enforcement career coming on board in the communications unit and getting some exposure to what we see and what we do is an outstanding way to be to gain more information if you're on the fence and you're uncertain yet it'll delay your eligibility a couple of years but you're in the building and on the team contributing right so yeah hey, we actually have two dispatchers that are also uh, work some part-time and other 
communities and, as police And we officers. have many officers and detectives who started as dispatchers. Yeah. Many. <laughs> yeah. We have a couple of firefighters, too. Yep. So, um, you know, it's a, it is a great, um, you know, kind of exposure to, to the public safety team. And some people stay for a career, and, they, you know, they love it. So try it out. Put in an app. Absolutely. Um, and we also were talking about our, our prospective co-responders during that yes. session, right? Yeah, we were. Um, uh, we took a couple of um, inquiries about the co-responder uh, position and, you know, referred them. Again, that I believe is still on the city website. That was uh, it's an ongoing application. Um, so it was, you know, it was kind of neat. And then people would, would come in and they'd, they'd ask a question and, you know, there would be a long pause, which we w- would assume that they were in there looking at materials, and uh, we were asking, you know, they were asking questions, and you know, you kind of we were bouncing back and forth. I think each event had, you know, twelve to fifteen um, participants, and uh, you know, we got some applications out of that uh, to dispatch, and you know, hopefully, uh, we also got some people signed up for the civil service test out of that nice awesome so we only have a few minutes left and i know that when we spoke or emailed yesterday i indicated i had another topic that i kind of wanted to dive into and the reason i've kind of stretched this conversation out is the more the more we talked this morning and the the more that i've kind of reflected i'm i'm i don't really i don't want to really go down that rabbit hole um i'm just gonna before we switch over to what's going on in the city this weekend i'm just gonna i'm gonna leave it at at this um there's been some questions raised this week uh, you know by a particular media outlet i'm not going to get into the details um we need we law enforcement police department we need to have a legitimate law enforcement purpose before we're gonna start to look into somebody's background or history um and i don't believe that corresponding with my office or with the department or sending us a a monetary donation or a food donation or a gift donation rises to the level of legitimate law enforcement purpose. And so we do not routinely look into backgrounds of people who who correspond with us or send us stuff. Um, I think that would be wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to start that process. Um, And if there's people who want to talk about that or questions about that and and what we can and can't do or what we do and don't do, um, you know, that's a side conversation I'm happy to have. There are at least two agencies in the county right now that are dealing with negative fallout because their departments um, started looking into people without a legitimate law enforcement purpose. We've spent a lot of time in this agency. I was actually looking at documentation that I had to draft in 2008. officially restricting access and use of databases and um you know it's we we look into people when we believe that a crime has been committed or there's a security threat or that there's a public order offense we don't look into people um, just because they contact us so that's all i'm gonna say about that enough said yeah (laughs) um spring is here it's a rainy spring but there's plenty going on in the city this weekend again check out the uh Cultural Pittsfield Newsletter, One Berkshire's holding a virtual town hall uh, this afternoon and this evening. Um, what's this? The Reflections of Who's Next. That's also this evening uh, from Ber- Barrington Stage. All kinds of great stuff going on in the arts community. Um, Rope, the, um, the local... Uh, Youth organization sponsored by the Women of Color Giving Circle is is having a racial justice conversation this weekend. Check that out. All kinds of cool stuff going on. Lieutenant, what do you got planned for the weekend? I have a practical tomorrow. Oh, the EMT practical is tomorrow. Yeah. A group of us are getting it done. That study group has been getting after it for the last couple of weeks. Yep. Did you do you hear the story about Sergeant Madalena? busting on captain kirchner no so maybe next week we'll talk about the the two calls that we had um saturday and oh Wednesday. no i d- do know what you're talking yeah. about yeah and so captain kirchner had occasion to assist a medic in um strapping a patient into a gurney <laughs> and sergeant madalina was in the at the foot of the ambulance the back of the ambulance watching him do it 
And after he did it, he criticized his performance <laughs> based yeah. on the, you know, he gave him a practical critique on how he strapped the patient. And yeah. uh, I, I just found that story fascinating. That's amazing. Uh, it's going to be uh, a wet, rainy weekend. I need to get some training in. We got some some good news this week at the dojo with the, the changes in the restrictions. It looks like we may actually get get back to some actual um to live training at least for those of us who are vaccinated so i'm looking forward to that so with that in the couple seconds left have a great week join us next week for another new episode be kind to one another thanks for tuning in to another new episode of on patrol with the ppd here on wtbr 89.7 fm